Unless you can convince me by scripture, and not by popes or councils who have often contradicted each other, unless I am so convinced that I am wrong, I am bound to my beliefs by the texts of the Bible. My conscience is captive to the word of God. To go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Therefore, I cannot and I will not recant. Here I stand. I can do no other. God help me. Thank you for joining us today for the Conform to Christ podcast, where we aim to engage the mind, affect the heart, and call people to follow Christ. My name is George Mays. Here with me is Jay Jones, and we are here for another Reformation Month Free for All Friday. Yep, last one, right? This is it. This is it. Yep. Yep, Reformation Day is on Sunday. Special time. How how often does it land on Sunday? Can you do that math in your mind? <laughs> no. It's a special one. Yeah. It's usually... There's no real agreement on how to celebrate Reformation Sunday. I tried to look it up once. Some would say, it's the Sunday before Reformation Day. Some would say, you do it on the Sunday after. Some would say, the closest, which one falls the closest? This year, there's none of that debate, George, because it lands on Sunday. It lands on Sunday, Yep. So Sunday's Reformation Day. Forget that Halloween. Forget that Halloween. Celebrate Reformation Day. Luther was such a gangster, man. You ever think about that? This guy, (laughs) this guy's standing there uh, and says this to the superpower of the world. Yeah. That what the clip that we played, Mm -hmm. like the most powerful entity on the face of the earth at the time. Well. In the Western Hemisphere. Don't know what was going on over in, in China in those times, but all of Europe controlled by this power, the Catholic Church. The guy was brave, had some nerve. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he didn't know what would happen to him after that. Tie him up to a pole, light him on fire, stood his ground. Yep. Yep. And here we are today. Here we are. 504... Four, is it four? Mm-hmm. 504 years later, here we are, reading the Bible, having access to it, all kinds of great stuff. Yeah, uh, but uh, as we'll be talking about today, some things never change. Some things never change. <laughs> the, battle for, uh, the battle for the Bible, the battle for proper worship, all of those things, um, the battle still is raging, and, and we're still going to be looking at certain, uh, certain evidence that the church is, um, it's still in danger. Uh, and I would say that it's in some of the same danger that it was facing 504 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's why we do these these podcasts, um, is to help kind of spread the word um, and inform people of what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, encouraging our listeners to uh, to come back to the Bible. Yeah. Which, yeah. That, that really is the heart of the Reformation. The heart of the Reformation is, what does the Bible say? Right. And are we going to listen to the Bible 
Is it going to be our, our ultimate final authority or is it going to be something else? Mm-hmm. That, that really is getting down to the heart of what the Reformation was. Because you look at the, the lives of these, re, these reformers and how did they come to their convictions? How did Luther come to his convictions? Because he was reading the Bible. Right. How yeah. did Zwingli come to his convictions? He was reading the Bible. Calvin. All, all these guys, they are reading the Bible. People and, might would have, have a question. They'd be like, were people not reading the Bible for 1,500 years? <clears throat> and I think I would answer that question by saying most people were not reading the Bible. Right. There was even, like, even those in authority, even the priest. Yeah, even those the priest. There was an elite authority mm-hmm. that had access, access to the Latin mm-hmm. Bible. Uh, in the East, they always, many had access to the, to the Greek to the Greek text, but even those in that tradition, uh, there was not a great emphasis on the word, right? Uh, church tradition took over mm-hmm. for a long time. And and so, he, but it, when Luther arose, yeah, for like 1,500 years, the only people reading the Bible were those in authority, and they, and they had church authority on par with Scripture. They would tell people what the text means, and sometimes in direct contradiction to what's clearly seen in the text. Yeah. Um, and so when Luther Luther arrives, interestingly enough, because of providence, Islamic invasion of Europe, uh, the conquering of Constantinople, uh, forced those in the east to flee west with Greek manuscripts. Right. And so Luther and Calvin and these guys, they were able to read Greek. Well, these guys are like self-taught. This is what's unreal about these guys. These are next level, like intellect guys. God, he you know he raised them up for his purposes, but. Um, they're reading Greek and Hebrew, and and they're they're like they have access to the word because of providence, and the more they have access to it, the more they have this like uh, discomfort that happens. That's how it begins, right? They don't magically become reformed biblical, right? It, it's like a process that happens, and then there's a tipping point, and they realize uh, the tradition they're standing in is standing against the word of God. Um, you know, you have Huss even before Luther, a hundred years before Luther, right? And then Luther, and then Calvin, and it starts to snowball. Um, but yeah, and it happened. It happened because of the Bible. The Bible caused the Reformation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the the printing press made it so that they could widely disseminate. Yeah. The, the actual text. So you got the you got the printing press. You've got the the Renaissance, which is um, a movement to get back to the the original sources. Um, and so they're they're bypassing like Jerome's Latin translation and going back to the actual Greek and Hebrew manuscripts. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you've got Luther, who's actually he's actually reading and he's he's teaching at the university through. Um, the the Greek, he's he's got um, Gutenberg's Greek New Testament, and he's reading and and preaching, teaching through it, and it sparks conversion. Mm-hmm. He's he's converted as he's reading God's word, um, and it just kind of snowballs from there. Mm-hmm. But it, it all comes back to God's word. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that's where the that's where the that's where the battle always is. The battle is always at God's word. Mm-hmm. You go all the way back to Genesis three. Where did the where was the battle always focused? Yeah. Where where was it always the hottest? It was on did God really say? Right. 
Um, and it's it's been the same all throughout your Bible. Um, just just look for it. You're going to see that there's always going to be a questioning of God's word or an undermining of God's word or trying to add something to God's word or take something away. Um, and um, it's the same today. The, the battle is always raging on the Bible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've got some things that yeah. we're going to talk about, and we're, we're wanting to really see what does the Bible say to these things. Well, shall we, uh, which one shall we jump into? Hey, pick Church one. of the Glades? Hey. We're easy to talk about. Uh, yeah. Like, how, how, who decides how we worship? Right. Is that the angle we go with this? Sure. I don't even, sure. I don't yeah. even know. Like, some of the stuff, I don't, you mean, like, what do you even say? It's just say? kind of a scattershot. Yeah. And yeah. Let's, let's, just, stuff, uh, let's just hit some of them. But this is, uh, you know, if you. It's not Tina Turner. If you. <laughs> it's supposed to be, though, I think. If, like you a, didn't, if you didn't know what this was, you would think that it was, you know, maybe The Voice or American Idol. I didn't find this America's, TikTok video, George. America's Got Talent. Someone found it for us and posted really? on it. Okay. Remember? Tom Buck posted this. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that's supposed to be, uh, I guess, this is a Tina Turner song? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yep. This is uh, your Sunday worship service. Check it out. If you're uh, listening only... What you've got is uh, some ladies dancing, and the, the, the main lady is dressed up like Tina Turner. She's got like a super short skirt on. Like, Lights are going. Short. Lights are flashing Lights about. Are flashing, they're dancing. Right. Super short skirt. Like way shorter than I would ever allow my daughter to wear in public. But it's good for church. <laughs> Good for the sanctification. Yeah. So this was uh, this was church, church on the glades. Yeah, yeah. He was. Uh, We've talked about them. Yeah. We talked about them uh, a little over a year ago because their pastor was one of the the lineup for the pastors' conference uh-huh. at the SBC annual convention for the pastors' conference, which takes place before the the general convention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just a bunch of pastors oh, around the around the nation preaching, and the past one of the one of those speakers was the pastor from Church on the Glades. Yeah, this guy. Yeah, um, and there was a big uproar because this is the same guy that had um, Game of Thrones stuff and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. all kinds of what weird else stuff. Do they dude. have do they have circus? Yeah, circus a stuff. Big circus. Yeah, yeah. Now Tina Turner. Uh huh. So shocker. Twenty twenty so. pastors conference. So two ago. Right. Uh, so it got canceled. It got canceled COVID. because of COVID. Yeah, because of COVID, so we didn't so know. they uh, they dodged the bullet. Because what are you going to do? Right? Yeah. <laughs> are you going to dis- Are you going to uninvite him? Is he going to step down? Yeah. Uh, COVID came in and solved the problem for them. There's no way if the Bible reigns at your church that this stuff can happen. Right. No way, dude. Like I, I don't even I don't know what even the step process is to thinking like Hey, I'm a I'm in pastoral ministry. Let's have a uh, let's have a let's have a chick in a super mini skirt sing a Tina Turner song, mm-hmm. and somehow this will uh, help us worship God. Yeah, like how do you even like how do you get there? From my understanding, and this isn't the only church that does it. I mean, we we looked at um, Life Church. Uh, what last week was it? Last week? Yeah, two weeks ago. The the uh, the, movie, ago. the movie stuff. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. Um, See, let's say, at my, least, at least in, under- their, in their point, George, let's say the life church, I understand like, okay, there's nothing inherently like, let's say, in itself where you could say it's sinful to, to talk about movies mm-hmm. and try to make some spiritual correlation, right? Yeah. And I could even say, hey, they've got a good motivation. They want to reach people, and they think they're aiming at people who won't go to church. Like, so we'll talk about movies and whatever. Now, I think that that's wrong. We shouldn't do that in church. Um, but in my mind, it's it's even this is even a, a further step beyond that yeah. to to like actual uh, sexual worldliness okay. thrown right out in front of your face. So you got the guy who uh, has the the big Iron Throne from Gra- Game of Thrones, yeah, up on stage and yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, it's my understanding that they do some of this stuff like before the the actual service. So this is like the warm up. Mm. So it's getting people all fired up. Interesting. So that's maybe this is where it came. That's from. what I'm. That's what I'm. Huh. That's what I'm thinking. So it's so weird, though. But still, so, what? You know, no, well, there's no reverence. There's no reverence. Yeah, that's the big problem. Um, the the focus is on entertainment. Mm-hmm. Um, it, our worship shouldn't be boring. Though I don't want anyone to hear me say that it, it needs to be boring. Like we're well, coming. We're coming in like a bunch of monks. Well, you, your worship can't be boring if it's focused on God, right? I think, right? Like to me, that if I go to worship God and I show up, this this is boring. Yeah, I want. I came to worship God today, right? And you brought me Tina Turner, right? You know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're right. The, the irreverence that is there. Mm-hmm. I got to visit R.C. Sproul's church. Um, I guess it was maybe six months before he died. We got to hear him preach. But it was really neat how they started their service. Um, so you go in, everyone kind of talks. You know, they have they have like hard hard pews, and then the lights uh, came down, and there was yeah. a bunch of spotlights, and RC Sproul came out. RC Sproul came out. He came was out tap dancing, dancing. <laughs> and then yeah, told told a few jokes, got uh-huh. us fired up. Right. So the this man comes up and he says uh, to get everyone's attention, and he says. Please observe five minutes of silence. We are about to worship the living God. Mm. And it just got dead silent. Okay. And everybody just sat there. And then they started. Okay. I was like, whoa. It's like you went into a portal. Yeah. You know what I mean? You left the world and went into mm. the presence of God. Yeah. It was really cool. So you're, I like the way that you describe that. It's, it's like you went into a portal into another world. When you look at this video from Church of the Glades, it's they're they're just opening up the door and bringing the world in and saying, "Look, <laughs> we can bring the world in," and that's how we're that's how we're going to sunglasses to George, <laughs> Thug Life sunglasses. <laughs> I need one of those buttons where I can make that noise. You know, yeah, that was good, George. Yeah, so like you, you the 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 emphasis, the difference is is very noticeable. Yeah. That's what worship is supposed to be. It's supposed to be Revelation chapter 4, and I heard a voice saying, come up here. Mm-hmm. And John is transported into the, the heavenly throne room where the angels are, 
are surrounding the throne and worshiping, and we're invited into that worship. Mm. But instead, you've got a bunch of churches, and and we're we're focusing on one, but they're not alone. That they're they're bringing they're bringing everything down to to here, right? And they're inviting all of this worldly stuff in, and saying there's really not that big a difference between yeah. what you're singing in the shower and what you're singing at the worship in the worship service yeah. or what you're singing in the car, um, dancing around being goofy. And you just, we'll just bring that into the church and it's the same thing. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. We're supposed to be, we're supposed to by the power of the spirit, we're being ushered into a heavenly realm so that we can worship the mm-hmm. living God. That's right. Yeah. And um, it's just not the same. Mm-hmm. You're right. Yeah, it's uh, and this is what happens though. I mean, there's a principle, the regulative principle of worship, mm-hmm. which we try to follow, and that just means that we don't worship God outside of the ways that we see that He's told us to worship Him in the Bible. Right. <clears throat> so that's it's not a super like hard or difficult idea to understand. Yeah. Right. God knows what's a. It's like you 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 don't get to decide how you would approach um, the president or the king if you're to visit the king of you know Saudi Arabia or whatever. I'm sure they have all these parameters. Yeah. Right. Well, when you go into the presence of the king, you have to be dressed this way. I'm not saying I'm not advocating for dressing a certain way in church. Uh, that you have to wear you know a, a suit and a tie. I'm just saying like the idea is present in, in our world. You come into the king's presence, and you don't touch the king unless he reaches his hand out, hand out to you to touch you first, right? There's all these rules. Uh, you could think of the one, you remember, uh, Douglas MacArthur conquers uh, Japan, and the emperor is there. They think he's a living god. Mm-hmm. No one looks at the emperor. Yeah. Or no one touches him. And Douglas MacArthur walks up to him and looks him right dead in the eye and touches him. <laughs> to snap him out of reality so he knows he's not a god, <laughs> right? But the principle is there. Yeah. Uh, and the same thing, like, the true, the one true and living God is holy and good, and we approach him through Jesus Christ, and if he tells us, hey, um, I command, you know, that you pray, well, why aren't people praying in church, right? We're told in First uh, Timothy that we are to make prayers for uh, for all men, not done in church usually, other than when the preacher throws one on right before he gets up to preach, or um, that scriptures be read. Why aren't scriptures read in church? Again, unless the preacher is about to like say, "Hey, here's what I'm about to preach," but we would see these things as being different. Mm-hmm. Um, why why don't we uh, sing Tina Turner songs to God? You know. <laughs> <laughs> like it's uh why are we singing secular songs in our our sacred time right <laughs> yeah our our songs like you, like are, our you songs said, are trinitarian right? right we sing about the trinity because we're christians <laughs> right and we sing about the work of christ and yeah. we praise god for what he's done mm-hmm. you know we're not singing uh whatever yeah because it makes us feel good like oh this is exciting music it makes us feel good yeah I can't remember who said this quote, but it's so good. Um, if you pick a church based on like how the church service makes you feel, you're not worshiping God; you're worshiping yourself. Mm. Yeah, and that kind of puts the whole thing into perspective, right? 
you at, you know you go to church to worship God. Yeah. Now we believe if you're worshiping God, uh, when you behold God, that's the source of your greatest joy. Of course, you're going to feel a certain way about that. But you have to actually encounter the living God, yeah. not some false god, right? So, all right. So you uh, you were kind of talking about this idea of if you're going for how it makes you feel, you're not worshiping God, you're worshiping yourself. Well, we've got a little tweet here that's been going around from someone who's oh, man. You making yeah, yeah. Who's, that who's making uh, things all about us. Yeah, yeah, all right. about you. Yeah. It's like, uh, how would you describe these type of preachers? We'll show this. This is a, got a Stephen I've, Furtick quote. Yeah, well, I've heard Stephen Furtick. I don't know who who coined this, but they said that Stephen Furtick is an expert in narcissism. Yeah, he is. But the reason narcissism sells, I think, is the same reason that people are susceptible to a con, like a long con. Mm-hmm. You know, you ever hear people getting long conned? Yeah. Like a man will cozy up to a woman. And uh, next thing you know, he's taken her for $2 million in runs. Yeah. It's a long con. Mm-hmm. And how the long con works is you give the person what they want, right. which is great self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You make them feel really good about themselves. You're the source of it. Right. They well, you're, to trust you're, going, you. you're going back all the way to Genesis 3 again. I, and I think that if we, if we go back and study the temptation in the garden and, and the, um, the angle that that Satan takes with Eve, I think that we can see a, a, some insight into all of the things that are tempting us today. Because mm-hmm. what does Satan do? He, he questions God's word. Did God really say? And then what does he do? He says, you won't die. God knows that if you eat of this, you'll become like him. Mm-hmm. So what is he appealing to? He's appealing to her, her selfishness, mm-hmm. to her narcissist, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's the same thing. So she she eats because she sees that it is it it's pleasing to the eye. It's good for food, and um, it is um, able to make her wise. Mm-hmm. And so she eats it because she wants what she thinks God is holding holding back. back right. I think that's the same thing that we see in things like Stephen Furtick. He's giving them exactly what they want because they're just like Eve. They want they want this stuff for right. themselves. They're thinking about themselves. And so here's the here's the temptation. The temptation is what this tweet is all about. It's it's inward focused. Yeah, the the reason this type of stuff and we'll show it here in a second. The reason why it works and why people like him become so popular is not because people actually have low self-esteem. Mm-hmm. Like, they'll say that. I have low yeah. self-esteem. You know, Furtick helps me to feel better about myself. But the right. but the the issue is, is you have way too high self-esteem. Right. And that, and seems, you, that seems so backwards because we live, in, we live in a culture that is saturated with secular psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, and the psychology, it teaches you that you're, you're not thinking about yourself enough. Yeah. Um, or rightly. Right. But what you're actually doing is you have this sinful um, self-interest. You have this sinful um, um, gaze upon yourself. You're obsessed with yourself, and that's why you yeah, that's why you feel this way. This is why you do this. It's not because you think too low of yourself. It's because you think too highly of yourself. And a lot of, a lot of depression and 
you know, these low self-esteem issues, it's actually because you're thinking about yourself too much. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking about others. Um, and so it's, it's this irony of, of feeling like you have low self-esteem when if you really look deeper into it, if you peel away the, the layers, you're actually thinking about yourself way too much. Too much. Yep. So let's look at, show, let's show this. And I don't know who Chris Huff is, but he retweeted it. Um, but he's right that this is 110% antithetical to the scriptures. Can we show that clip or this uh, picture? Uh, Stephen Furtick, you see at the bottom, if you're listening, Furtick actually posted this. I don't know if he tweeted it, but it was on Facebook, it looks like. No, I think this is a tweet. It's a tweet? Okay. Yeah, you got, you got your little blue check Yeah, mark. that's right, it's a little blue check. Um, and I think this is from a sermon that he preached, but I wasn't going to go looking <laughs> looking for the exact clip. You didn't want that punishment to, no, wa to watch I through the whole thing to find it? I didn't feel like it. We did that uh, a couple of years ago. Maybe we should do it again. We should take one of these weird these guys' weird sermons and uh, just go through it mm -hmm. and dissect it. Yeah. Remember we did that? Uh -huh. yeah. So here's what he says, Stephen Verdict. Following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you've been all along. What would it be like to see the you that God sees, George? Mm -hmm. What would it be like to see what would it be the like you to see God the sees? you that God sees? Man, <laughs> let me tell you what. If you could see the you that God sees before you're converted, man, it wouldn't be good. It should lead you to your conversion. Can I say what it would look like? I know we got kids listening, but can I say what I what Isaiah says it looks like? Sure. Okay. Here's what Isaiah says it looks like. If you could see the you that God really sees, it would look like if you went around and uh, took all of your good works and you look in the mirror at yourself and you're like, oh, my good works are so sparkly and clean and my clothes, they're so fresh. Look how I pressed them. I got my hair done just right and I got oil on my face and I'm looking so fresh in my good works. And then you got to look through God's eyes at yourself and it looks like you have bloody menstrual garments wrapped all over your body. Yeah. That's a, that's the Bible's words. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's your righteousness before holy God. That'll kill your self-esteem. Yeah. Right? But that's actually the key like how can you even be converted unless you can see yourself? I uh, we're talking about last words earlier, right? Luther's last words were we are all beggars. Mm -hmm. And the reason he says that is because he has a correct understanding before a holy God in ourselves, we're nothing but beggars. We right. have nothing good in ourselves. So everything that we have good in us, we actually get from God by grace. Right. We receive the righteousness of Christ. Um, so yeah, this, the whole thing is backwards here, right? You When you follow Jesus, he doesn't change you into something else is crazy. <laughs> that, it's, it's like the that whole... Seems like, <laughs> that seems like the whole point of the gospel is that you need to be changed. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's like, it's like uh, yeah, if, you're, if you are dead... Uh-huh. What you don't need to to do is realize and see yourself as God sees you as just dead and go, yay, I'm dead. <laughs> right. You need to say, oh, I'm dead. I need to be changed. Yeah. I need to be raised to life and given a new life. John 3, he says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Right. Like that's, that is an essential change. Regeneration. Yeah. Bo that's you birth, must be birthed again birth or birth from above uh -huh, it's like a yeah. uh, what what's the term for it a, ter a, a word that ha carries double meaning double entendre mm -hmm. that's what the word is yeah 
Um, the in the tweet, he uh, Chris Huff he he cites Second Corinthians chapter five seventeen. Yeah, that anyone who's in Christ is a new creation. new creation. And then the better the old has passed away, right? The new has come. Yeah, like like. How do you say this stuff, man? What What's more frustrating than Stephen Furtick? So I've seen a lot of people posting this all over Facebook, and a lot and several people are acting like, "Wow, this is a new thing." Like you should you should probably avoid Stephen Furtick. <laughs> like this is what people have been saying for years and years that you should be avoiding Stephen Furtick. Right. They're acting yeah, like yeah, this yeah. is new. But what's more frustrating is that there are people that are on there trying to defend him as if he's saying something different. Right. So there are some people that are saying, "Well, you need to, you do need to, to see yourself the way that God sees you, as a, as a new Christian." You, but that's yeah. You need, to see, yeah. you need to see yourself as made in God's image. That's not what. That's not, not what, what he's saying. saying. Yeah. You, all you have saying. to do is listen to some Stephen Furtick stuff. This guy is a word of faith preacher. He's affiliated with the Southern Baptist Convention, but he yeah. is a word of faith preacher. Uh, you don't have to go very far to to get that. What do you, what do you call those guys? Uh, they're like con, like they're kind of like con artists on a big scale, where you go to conferences. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? And they speak and they like build up your self esteem and make you think you can conquer the world. Yeah, like a uh, what Tony Robbins. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. That's what Stephen Furtick is. Right. So he's and the thing that he says here is actually very dangerous because this is what the LGBTQ community has been saying all along. Mm. Uh, there's nothing wrong with us. I need to accept who I am because who I am is beautiful and good, and God God loves me just the way I am. So yeah. they they not only change the anthropology, the doctrine of man, but they change the doctrine of God. Right. So their doctrine, and really what drives it is that. Uh, well, what drives it is a faulty view of God. So when you have this faulty view of God, um, then you can redefine everything else around that. Yeah. God, God, God's main desire is for you to be happy with who you are. Right. And all of these other things in the world, they make you to feel bad about yourself. So you need it's, to stop listening to those. Yeah. It's um, it's Pelagian, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um. And so, and this is where a lot of um, pop psychology also goes. Also, is the problem is not is not you. You're made in God's image, and you're good, and God sees you that way. What's really wrong is your environment mm-hmm. or the people that you're around. Um, and so you're you're being influenced by your your circumstances or by the people and so you're 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 starting to you know pick up on these things and you're you're just starting to say the things that that you're being affected by right. into your own life what you need to do is stop is stop um worrying about those things outside of yourself and you need to start seeing what what god sees inside of you that's exactly what he's saying but the problem is that's not what the bible says right right the bible says that the human heart is desperately desperately wicked um, and we're dead in our sins and trespasses so the problem is not what's going on outside of us the problem is what's going on inside of us yeah and the problem is never inter- or the, the the solution is never internal the yeah. world would always tell you mm-hmm. the solution is internal yeah if you can begin to think this way 
about yourself. Mm -hmm. If you can begin to think this way, you've been thinking wrongly about God, if you mean to think about him like this, if you can begin to do these things in your life, well, then you can have peace and happiness and prosperity. Uh But the Bible says the answer is not found within, the answer is found without. You need a supernatural work done to you, acted upon you Mm -hmm. from without uh, to transform you inwardly. Yeah, you can you can see how the world gets everything backwards. The problem is not with you; it's with everything outside of you. The solution is inside of you. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that the problem is inside of you, and your solution is outside of you. Found in Christ. So the so yeah. the everything is just it's just topsy turvy. Yeah. Um, right. So which one are you going to? Mm-hmm. Which one are you going to go with? Are you going to go with with what the world's telling you, or are you going to go with what God is telling you? Yeah. All right, you got another. You got another tweet. Do we want to talk about this? Uh, sure. This other tweet. Oh, this yeah. will transition us into the uh, this article that I'd like to talk about. This Ed Lutton qu- uh, uh-huh. tweet. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Let's switch over to it. You can see it for those watching. Oh, Ed Lutton. He's back at it again. Got to talk about him. <laughs> he's just always at it. I think he sits around and he's like, you know what? One time I heard this little podcast called the Conform to Christ podcast, and I heard that they <laughs> they talk about me a lot on there. And um, No, no. What? No. The, and they, people that, says, the people that talk about him are anonymous trolls. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he goes, they haven't talked about me in a while. What could I give them uh-huh. to make them bring me back you up? You know, we were talking about J.D. Greer almost every week because he would, every week, he would, he would tweet something absolutely ridiculous and we'd have to talk about it now it's ed litton jd greer and ed litton they're kind of like trump with their twitter they need a manager they need like a someone to like reel them in well it's like jd greer passed the torch to ed litton mm-hmm. ed, you know jd greer could have like a list he's got like a a word document that well you know i, I didn't have enough time during my sbc presidency to to tweet these out so I'm going to give him to Ed Litton, and Ed Litton yeah, can yeah. just post them as here's his a, own. Here's a now here's that a, he's the here's a ba- he's the president. Here's a bag of crazy cats. Uh, <laughs> you take it and run with it. Yeah. All right. So he um, this is on the heels of the executive committee. Um, they're they're doing their um, you know their sexual abuse investigation. Right. Waiving attorney client privilege. Um, Ed Litton. Ed Litton is he's the woke candidate. He's the guy who's um, he's going to be all about the Me Too movement. He's going to be all about the Black Lives Matter and social justice movement. And here's just um, evidence of that mm-hmm. in this tweet. Yeah. Okay. So if you're listening, here's what he he tweeted out. There is a time to acknowledge our part in sins we did not directly commit. If you just think about that sentence alone. You know the laws of like non-contradiction? Yeah. They're how we live. There's a time to acknowledge our part in sins we did not directly commit. How can you have a part in a <laughs> sin you did not commit? Right. You ever think of that? Like, uh-huh. It'd be like saying, there's a time for me to celebrate the home run that I did not hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so stupid. Yeah. Or, you know, it's crazy. So here, here's his uh, text. His, his Should proof. you... <laughs> Should you expect anything less from a, a serial plagiarist <laughs> taking credit for, right. Right. for other people's? <laughs> this, this is, I need, the, this is I need that button. 
<laughs> this is just his plagiarism coming out on the <laughs> on the social justice. This guy plagiarizes so much. Yeah. His own sin is not even enough for himself. Right. <laughs> He's got to have somebody else's. Right. Jeremiah 14, 20. We acknowledge our wickedness, Lord, and the guilt of our ancestors. We have indeed sinned against you. All right, Jeremiah 14, 20. I, we're going to have to just kind of jump in there probably, right? I like the uh, I like the the first response. He's getting torn up yeah. on the responses. I like that first. Uh, oh, can go we back go, to Can that. we go, go back, back to, to that. The, yeah, 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 the, yeah. that first response? Is this only referring to slavery or all the sins we did not directly commit? Murder, theft, lies? Who says when we have acknowledged enough? Where does the blood of Christ come in? <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. Like you know what he's talking about. He's talking. He's talking about the sin of slavery mm-hmm. that um, the SBC has publicly, quote unquote, repented of. What three times? Yeah, four times. Yeah. Every couple of years, they have a resolution. Uh-huh. We acknowledge the, you know, the the racist. It only applies background the, of the SBC, yeah. and we it, repent. You know, we it only applies it. to it only applies to white people. You yeah. know, like uh, you know my. My wife looks a hundred percent white, but she's got Native American, like most people from Oklahoma, right? And like many people in our bird church. But you know what? They're never called to do: repent of their past paganism of their ancestors and mm-hmm. how they used to like tie people up to fire ant hills yeah. and cut off their eyelids and let them die like that and stuff. Yeah. Or how they would? I mean, these are like they acted like inland Vikings. Mm-hmm. Like those are my ancestors. I guess I get to repent of their sins. But you know, then one calls the. Uh, People that are from a native background to repent of like killing uh, everyone under the age of fourteen on a raid, you know what I mean? Yeah, the which I, was common practice. I mean, the, the view is that American slavery is the epitome of all evil, and it's it's this was only perpetrated by white people. They never talk about the fact that these these slaves are coming from being kidnapped by other Africans mm-hmm. and being sold. Uh, you know, to the slave traders. They don't talk about they don't Native talk, Americans they don't talk, owning I mean, slaves if, either. If you're going to go down this, if you're going to go down this trail, um, you need to take it to its logical conclusion that we're just going to constantly, everybody is going to constantly be repenting of yeah the the sins of their ancestors. Yeah, but that's all that he means. He doesn't mean like Native Americans need to repent of enslaving each other. No. He means white people need to repent of the sins that were done. Right. And during the slave trade or during um, the uh, uh, Jim Crow era, mm-hmm. uh, all of this stuff. That's a, that's what he means. Right. He just doesn't come right out and explicitly state it. And then he gives the proof text of Jeremiah 14.20. Right. And so we got to <clears throat> jump into that. we got to okay. jump into Jeremiah 14.20 because he says, we acknowledge our wickedness. Yeah, that's good. We should. But uh, the guilt of our ancestors... We have indeed sinned against you. So Jeremiah fourteen twenty, I think, it, when you jump in there and you look, George, mm-hmm. it's simply just God calling the people to repent, right? Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So Jeremiah fourteen twenty, you jump in there. You can't, you can't just take verse twenty by itself. Mm-hmm. You have to read the entire chapter. It, it all it all goes together, um, and in the context of the entire book of Jeremiah. And if you read just just chapter fourteen, it is dealing with the sin of the people of Israel, not simply in the past, 
but in the present. What they're doing now. What they're doing now. So the, the point of bringing up our father's iniquities is simply to say, we're, we're, do- we're our father's children. We're doing the same we're things. We're doing the same things. Right. Now, the response from people like Ed Litton would be, we are doing the same things. Uh. And you've, got, you've got that leaked Russell Moore letter that said the, the SBC is just filled with, with racists. Mm. Um, well, here's- and, and yet they never name any names. Who, who are you talking about? Like, who are you talking about? Who, 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 are, these, who are these radical uh, alt-right <laughs> white supremacists that you're yeah. talking about? Drop names. Name some names so that we can kick them out. Maybe but it's they him. Never, they never do it. They never name any names. Maybe uh, it's it, him, George. Maybe it's Ed, because he says there's a time. Maybe. To acknowledge our part. Well, yeah. I, I haven't had a part in any of this. Have you? <laughs> no. I haven't had a part in it, so I'm, I, I'm not repenting for this. But apparently Ed did, yeah. so maybe he should tell us what he's done. <laughs> and step down? Yeah. Yeah. When's he going to uh, acknowledge his plagiarism yeah. and step down? Yeah. Oh, but it, the, the sin was <laughs> in not attributing it to... No, no, you're taking two serious actual sins that committed, oh, right? Oh, I got gotcha. you. You don't repent of actual, actual sins, sins you commit. Okay. Only ones in the past that your ancestors did, to which you did not directly commit. Those you've got to repent of. But gotcha. the current ones you do, you do get a pass on those. See, I need Ed Litton to explain the scriptures to me because just a simple reading isn't enough. It's too tough, yeah. The other part of it is is if you just read the scriptures, you'd understand that the uh, this covenant that God has made. The whole appeal of this in Jeremiah 14.20 is in the covenant. Right. Like, we have sinned the same sins as our fathers or our ancestors. Mm-hmm. We're guilty, and we're repenting, forgive us, yeah. according to your covenant. I think they even appeal to it, uh, to God's character, right? Mm-hmm. Remember and do not break your covenant with us. That's right. verse 21, uh-huh. which God promises in Deuteronomy, here's the covenant cursings, the covenant blessings. Like, mm-hmm. if you do these things, the covenant curses are going to fall on you and your children for generations. We see that as they're carried off into captivity, right? Right. And and so they're appealing. Like, what's interesting is that you brought up when we were talking about it. This is God telling Jeremiah what to say to them. Yes. So you, Jeremiah, go say to these people, mm-hmm. and it's a call for them to repent. Right. It's not the same as how Ed is presenting it. Well, you've got to actually read the scripture in its context and um, be able to understand and explain it. And I don't see any evidence that Ed Litton is able to do that. Right. Um, all I see is that he has uh, the ability to read notes that his committee, yeah. his, his team has put together plagiarizing other people's uh-huh. sermons. Right. Um, that's that's all I've seen from Ed Litton. Uh-huh. So I'm not super surprised when he tweets nonsense like this. But thankfully, he's just being torn up <laughs> in the comments sections. Yeah. I only I think I only saw one one positive response, and it was from uh, Dwight McKissick, mm-hmm. who is another social justice warrior uh-huh. in the SBC. Yeah. All right. So let's uh, let's All right, jump into so, that. So we've last one we've got. Let's see. So we've we've been talking about um, 
going back to the scriptures to see how we're supposed to worship. Mm-hmm. Um, we've seen how you're supposed to go back to the scriptures to see what it means to be changed. Yeah. Um, and we have seen that you, you need to understand the scriptures in its right context mm-hmm. in order to interpret. You can't just rip a verse out of context. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a article that came out um, yesterday yep. from uh, Relevant Magazine. Yeah. You know anything about Relevant Magazine, Jay? Just that they're totally irrelevant. Is that your go-to? Is that your go-to news source? They're totally irrelevant in my walk with the Lord. That's all I know. Okay. Um, this came out. The title of this article is "Have We Made the Bible into an Idol?" Nope. Okay. All one, right. I'm done. Is it a one-word article? <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. So. Um, have we made the Bible into an, into an idol? We're, we're constantly going back to the scriptures to see how we're supposed to understand these tweets and these, the different, these different stories that we come across, right? That, that's, the whole, that's the whole point of this podcast is to help you to, um, to understand and interpret world issues, um, world events in light of the scriptures, that that's what it means to be conformed to the image of Christ. As you're looking at the scriptures, um, as you are understanding them, as you are um, striving to be obedient to them, then you are conformed into the image of Christ. Well, this article is asking, have we made the Bible into an idol? So it's not very long. I don't know if we'll read the whole thing, but I, I want to read some of it um, to uh, to get into this conversation. We'll we'll spend the rest of our time um, talking about this article, but. I'm going to leave off the author until the end, Jay. Should I peek? All right. No, don't, don't, don't do peek? it. Okay. Don't do it. All right. So let me, read, let me read a little bit of it. The Bible says it, I believe it, and that settles it. You've heard that phrase before. You've read it on bumper stickers. Is that you, Adrian Rogers? I don't even know. Maybe. That sounds like something that yeah. Adrian Rogers would say. Yeah. I've heard it from a bunch of different people. Mm. Uh, You may have even said it a time or two. It's an odd little religious mantra that perfectly captures the strange, often paradoxical relationship we modern Christians have with our mysterious ancient text. Many of us have made the Bible the singular pillar of our faith, but not all of us have a complete grasp on what it actually says, especially not the earlier, weirder stuff. We'll agree without question that it is filled with words from the very mouth of God, and yet we can't really be bothered to crack it open all that often. And again, definitely not the earlier, weirder stuff. We so crave a Bible that we can use quickly and neatly to support our various arguments and discussion points, but that Bible doesn't really exist. That doesn't mean the Bible isn't true or divinely inspired or useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. It just means that it is not a simple book and should not be treated like one. I can agree with that. Mm. It's not a simple book. We, we shouldn't treat it like just any other book, right? <laughs> Here's where it starts to get off the rails. Mm. Try putting any well-meaning, good-intentioned, faithful handful of seminary students, pastors, or pew-sitters in a room, and you'll be hard-pressed to find any two who can find unanimous agreement on very much, let alone the totality of its 800,000 words. Now, I bring this up, I think this is good for our Reformation Month, because that was 
that was the criticism of the Roman Catholic Church right. to the Bible being translated into the common language. Mm-hmm. So it, it used to be a capital offense for for anyone to try to translate the scriptures into the vernacular, into the the language that the people actually spoke. So it was it was written in Latin. Even the priests didn't know what it said most of the time, let alone the the commoners. Right. Um, and so you've got guys like William Tyndale who are trying to translate into English, and he's burned at the stake for doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, the great, one of the by the the, the Roman Catholics, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, one of the greatest contributions that Martin Luther did was he translated the Bible into German. Mm-hmm. Um, even today. It's it is um, attributed to him that he's the one that actually created the modern German language, language right. um, through his translation of uh-huh. the, of the Bible. Because people started reading it everywhere, right? Learning to read from reading it, all yeah. kinds of things, right? Yeah. And so they start speaking uh-huh. all in one dialect. Yep. Um, and so the the Roman Catholic Church they criticized this and they said if if everyone if the common people start reading the Bible on their own then you're going to have thousands of different interpretations. Mm-hmm. This guy here is is kind of parroting some, yeah. some, some, something of the same thing. If you get all these people together, if you get seminary students and pastors and, and just regular churchgoers together in one room, you open up the Bible, you're going to be hard-pressed to find anyone that comes to an agreement on what it means. Yeah. I don't know that that was really their great fear. That's the big quote that comes out mm-hmm. from there. I think their big fear was that a regular person would read the Bible and go, Hang on. Uh, <laughs> none of this stuff's in the Bible. Guess what, Jay? <laughs> Guess what? I think that's the fear of this author. Too. You think that's the fear of this guy? <laughs> and I'll I'll tell you why when we get to, when we get closer to the end. Okay. I think that's the I think that's his um I think that's his fear too. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Rather than admit and wrestle with the obvious complexities we face in historical context, writing style, and author intent, too many Christians simply hide behind some incendiary, line-drawing, black-and-white, all-or-nothing rhetoric. Maybe that's because the Bible has become, for so many believers, a fourth addition to the Trinity, something to be worshipped rather than something to help us seek the one worthy of worship. We've come to treat Scripture as the destination of our spiritual journey rather than what it was for the earliest believers, essential reading material on the way to the promised land. Do you know anyone that worships the Bible? I don't know anyone that worships the Bible. No. Uh -uh. Can you think of anyone that, that might worship the Bible? No, ever heard a preacher that? Mm-mm. No, I don't. Adding it to the Mm-mm. to the Trinity. No, I, I can't think of anybody. It okay. would be like, um, what? What? How could you say it's like? It's like the Bible is like a teleportation machine that helps you to see the mind of God, and it would be really dumb to sit down and worship the machine. Mm-hmm. But you can't you can't get to the mind of God without the it's well it's just communication right mm-hmm. yeah I, no person would like like I you uh, your wife says oh uh, something to you you start to communicate to each other right yeah. she says I love you you can't even understand that without hearing the words so the words themselves are important right. So the words you can't separate God's word from his from himself, 
right? But we don't crack the book open and worship the book. Um, we can delight in the book. Uh, you know, there's an entire, the longest chapter in the Bible is about how great God's Word is. Mm-hmm. So it is great, right? and it's a reflection of His character and His nature. We don't believe it's a fourth member of the Trinity. Yeah. What it does is it shows us the Trinity, right? Yeah. So we can't, we can't even know who God is apart from it. Right. Um, and this makes total sense because God is a person, or God is uh, three persons and uh, one. God is one essence and three persons, but as persons, how will God communicate? Well, to, to people who have minds, well... Yeah, he's got a couple of ways. He could just show up individually to all of us and talk to us all. Yeah. Which would be possible, but incredibly maybe inefficient. Or he could write a book or communicate verbally and have it written down and then have people take that word everywhere through multiple generations and have everybody read and know what God wants us to know about himself. Yeah. Um so yeah, I mean it's it's silly to to say people worship. I don't I don't know anybody that would say who who erects an altar in their house like the Romans did with their little wooden gods, mm-hmm. and instead of the little wooden god, they've got the Bible there and they go and yeah. worship the I Bible. Don't, I don't think that his I don't think his problem when he says worship the Bible. I think he has a problem with people quoting the Bible as authoritative. I think that's what his problem is. His problem is right. not he he knows like this is a straw man. Right, he's he is arguing against people, you know, worshiping the Bible as if those people actually exist. When he probably would criticize us of worshiping the Bible because we look to it as our authoritative book. Right, right. Um, let me let me jump let okay. me jump down a little bit. Here's an example I could use when you talk about the authority. He doesn't think that the authority is there. I'm guessing because he thinks that the Bible's flawed. That'd just be my number one guess. He probably holds to a view of the Bible where it is not inerrant, right? That's my guess. But, so think of it this way. Um, In the military, you have uh, what's called a command command order can come down, right? It can come down to you in uh, written form. The commander himself can write it out and sign it Mm -hmm. and then have somebody deliver it to you. Yeah. Or something happens called voice of the commander, voco. And if you're in earshot of that and you hear it, you're like, okay, I got that's voice of the commander, execute his command. Now, say the voco goes, voice of commander goes out, but you're nowhere around where the commander said that. Someone then tra- someone then will take that, oh, the voice of the commander, they will write out the commander's intent on a paper and then put at the bottom voco, put it, you know, on the old days, horseback, someone delivers yeah. it to George, you open it up and you go I shouldn't take that too serious. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. uh, I shouldn't worship the voice of the command. Like, uh, like I shouldn't worship this paper because it's just paper. It's not the commander himself. Yeah. Like so, I'm not gonna do exactly what this says on this paper. Mm-hmm. Maybe close, maybe close, but not, I can't really know for sure. Yeah. Like, no, 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 no. And it's the same way. You yeah. have here, voice of the commander. Right. And it's and it's it's reliable and trustworthy, mm-hmm. and we're foolish if we if we don't take it seriously. Yeah, I'm guessing he doesn't take it as an errand. Am I right? Hey, don't don't jump ahead on me, Jay. Don't <laughs> okay. jump ahead. All right, we'll, we'll get to we'll get to the authorial 
editorial intent, intent of, this, of this of this article. In when we when he's revealed who he is, yeah, yeah, it's we'll, Bane. Pull, we'll pull back the we'll pull back the curtain on this guy in just a second. Let me let me read a little bit more. The difficult reality to come to terms with for so many who claim Christ is that those who have come to a different conclusion about the Bible in both large and small ways have done so through the same thoughtful study, the same prayerful reflection, the same sincere desire to know the very heart of God that they have. All right, so he's attacking one of my favorite words, Jay. Mm. Do you know what that word is? What? Perspicuity. Okay. You like that word. I like that word. The most unclear word ever. Because it means the clarity right. of Scripture. Yeah. <laughs> He's attacking the perspicuity of Scripture. Right. You got all these people, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're coming to the Scripture with the same thoughtfulness and the same prayerfulness and, and the same desire, and they come away with a, a completely different interpretation. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe the problem is that the Bible is not what we what we, you know, are saying it is. <laughs> All right. right. <laughs> Maybe it's not clear, right? Um, now, the the issues that he's going to be talking about, that, he's, that he has in mind, are going to become clear pretty soon, Jay. But, okay. But is the Bible clear? I think it's pretty clear, yeah. I, well, I don't... I, there, I think the parts that are not clear are not on essential doctrines. Yeah. Um, and they're not on anything that would impact uh, an essential doctrine. Right. So the Trinity, uh, Christ, doctrine of man, yeah. and salvation, um, that, these things are not unclear. They're very, they're very clear. I think anyone, George, and here's how I know the Bible's clear. You remember my grandpa, he died recently, he's 92. I did that podcast a little bit ago with him. Yeah. If you remember what he said, he, he said he had a sixth grade education. He ran away from home, mm-hmm. joined the army, and when he was 15, he lied about his name, got in the army, got out of the army, uh, was saved, began to study the Bible on his own. He has no education, but in his denomination, they have a, a way to take a test and become ordained, and he self-taught himself. He's, he's taught himself the Bible. He read the Bible probably more than anybody I know. Um, in his life, and guess what? He arrived. Do we have differences? Absolutely. Like he's a continue. He's a he was is because he's still alive. He's a continuationist. Uh, and I don't know I, if he's a continuationist. Yeah, he might not be now. Anymore, he might have come around. <laughs> but uh, we have disagreements on this stuff, right? Yeah. But here's here's me. I've got eight years of training post regular college, right? Yeah. So. So I have a master's degree, a doctorate degree, mm-hmm. for eight years. He has no, he has, he doesn't even have a high school diploma. Yeah, we agree on ninety nine percent. How? Right. If the Bible is not clear, right? How? That's my question. So, uh, issue in the SBC right now, whether sh- whether women should uh, should be preaching, Jay. Mm. You got people that come down on both sides. Have both of them had the same? Um, they're they're studying it, and they're the same prayerful consideration, um, the the same thoughtful study. What's the what's the problem there, Jay? Well, the the problem is is that some people have been taught what to believe about the Bible, right? If this weren't the case, uh, then then me and my grandpa couldn't arrive at ninety nine percent. Yeah, right. No one taught him. He just simply because it, it, here's the, the reason, George. It's it's just mind blowing, right? When God decided to communicate to us, He communicated to us in ways we understand, like so. Right, the written word, right? Mm-hmm. 
Did you know that words have meaning? Right. <laughs> but did you know that words only have real meaning in sentences? Mm-hmm. And then did you know sentences only have real meaning in paragraphs? Right. Did you know paragraphs only have real meaning within the context of the greater surrounding paragraphs? And those paragraphs only have meaning in the content of the book. Yeah. Right? It's common. You're an English major. Mm-hmm. So I know you know this. I'm not an English guy. I don't love it, but I had to learn it. Yeah. You know this. This is you speak like it, Jay. If you, you speak j- it. If you throw this away, right? Right. You can make the Bible say anything you want. Yeah. That R.C. Sproul said, everyone's free to interpret the Bible. No one is free to misinterpret the Bible. Yeah. But you have to be taught these other things. I, and I think that's that's something that, that's something that's being left out of this article, and it's something that we need to be very, very careful with, is that we all come to the Scripture with preconceived ideas. We all have, we all have some presumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, we need to be aware of those when we come to the text and do our best not to put our already preconceived assumptions into the text. Sure. Um, and what he's doing is that he is ignoring that, and he's he's blaming it on the Bible. Right. He's blaming it on, oh, your view of the Bible is is wrong. Mm-hmm. And we'll see that that's right. an assumption. That's that's a that that's a preconceived assumption that he has also. One of my and favorite, he's just kind of ignoring that. Yeah. One of my favorite examples of that, I think, is perfect. Is John Piper talking about before he became a uh, before he became reformed before he became Calvinist. Mm-hmm. They're arguing in in class. After class, he said he held up a pen. He, he said, "I thought you know it was such a great argument. I held it out." Yeah, and I, and he dropped. He's talking, he's arguing free will and right. the sovereignty of God. He uh-huh. drops it. That drops the pen. Yeah, and he goes, "I did that. Me." <laughs> he said, "I thought it was so profound because I you know a lesson <laughs> in human freedom that I dropped the pen. No one else." Yeah, and uh, then he's like, "Obviously, what I came to understand was." I had been brought up in a way of thinking the world worked, and I had and I brought that into the Bible, mm-hmm. and I interpreted the Bible right. through a uh, an idea that wasn't in the Bible. Yeah, and that and that's really we have to we have to all be careful of that. Mm-hmm. Everyone has to be careful of that. So yeah, there there are people are going to come to different interpretations on certain passages, but if they're and. I think one of his assumptions is that everyone that's reading the Bible is actually a Christian also, mm-hmm. and there's there's a, a problem there. Um, but we, we have to be careful of these these presuppositions that we're bringing to the Bible, because, yeah, if, if you bring a presupposition that you're blinded to, you're going to come with a with a wrong interpretation. But mm-hmm. the problem's not with the Bible. The problem is with us. Yeah. Right? Uh, Augustine said said something along the lines of if I if I come to a, a place in scripture where there's some kind of difficulty or a seeming uh, contradiction the problem is not with the Bible the problem is with me mm-hmm. and if I was free of of my sin then it would all become perfectly clear yeah right mm-hmm all right, uh, just a little bit more, and, and then we'll I need uh, then, I'll, then I'll reveal who it is. I All know. right, the real problem is that too many of us are choosing to simply deify the Bible as divinity itself. A little bit of uh, who does repetition that? there. Who does uh, it? Yeah, uh, something the Bible itself never asks us to do. It is not as we so often mir- mischaracterize it. The Word of God from John one one. Jesus is. Ever heard that before? That's a little bit of Karl Barth for you. Yeah. 
We've decided that the Bible speaks every necessary thing that God ever has or ever will say, and that he said it exactly as we've determined, translated, and believe it to be. In other words, by elevating the Bible to the same level as God, and by leaning on our own understanding of its 66 books, we've crafted a divine being who, upon closer inspection, seems to think a lot like we do, vote like we do, hate who we hate, and bless what we bless. That's ridiculous. That's stupid. I don't even know what to say other than that. It's probably one of the dumbest things I've ever heard in a while. The question we need to ask ourselves as modern believers is whether or not we really trust God to speak clearly and directly to someone independently of the Bible. We know, of course, that God can and does communicate through Scripture, but must that be the only method he employs? We believe that the fixed words of the Bible are, as it says, living and active, but do we believe that God is not? (laughs) The only religious worldview that makes the Bible the last and only word is that of a God who is no longer living. What? Oh, my gosh. If we read the scriptures like the will of a dead relative who is never coming back, then yes, we will cling to them as the sole voice through which he speaks. However, if we trust in a Jesus who is alive and in a God who is fully present to individuals through his Holy Spirit, we will be fully expectant and confident that his voice and vocabulary are not confined to 66 books and 800,000 words. The Bible commands us not to add to the scriptures, but that doesn't mean that God can't. That's what prayer often yields, not God reciting the ancient text verbatim, but speaking anew to us. Regardless of how much we trust in it or revere it, the Bible can never be God, and it doesn't need to be. We don't pray to the Bible, though we can pray through and with it. God is purely God and the only entity capable of being so. The Bible and God can never, ever be the exact same thing, and if we can't honestly admit that, we'll never be able to have meaningful discussion about either. So what do we do in light of the acknowledgement that Scripture is itself Uh, not deity. We cherish it dearly as a photo album of the family of faith we come from, those whose legacy we now steward. All right. I'll, uh, I'll just, I'll leave, I'll leave. I know that was just total mess. Total mess. There's still a little bit more, but I'll leave it at that. Because I think, I think that we've got the, uh, we've got kind of the gist of it. So he's trying to separate the word of God, who is Jesus from the Bible. He's, Uh he's trying to say they're not, they're not equal. Um, and so we shouldn't expect that everything God has ever said, everything he wants to say to us, is contained within the Bible. Uh, well, I mean, there's a whole bunch of problems, one of which would be uh, God is weak, and he's unable to even preserve what he wants us to have. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to have a high view of God's sovereignty and providence if you're going to believe that this is what God wants you to have. Mm-hmm. So he somehow has like is open for God who will continue to communicate to us directly apparently, but he's a God who can't preserve his word through time. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, at all, right? That doesn't make sense to me at all. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so my uh, the question that I would have is if there are other things that God wants us to have, why didn't He give them to us before? Like why is He hanging on? Like there's some things He's going to give to us later. Like when are they coming? And what what is God holding out on me that I need that that I don't have uh, that that could help me now, but He hasn't revealed them yet? Mm-hmm. Like, why are you holding out? Uh, whereas we would believe that God hasn't held out on us; He's revealed everything to us in His Word perfectly in the person who is Jesus Christ. We encounter Him in the Gospels. Everything we need to know about who God is is found in Jesus, and then. Uh, the disciples record for us how to live in light of who Jesus is in the rest of the books of the New Testament. 
So God hasn't held out on us in any way. Yeah, um, and uh, I'm I'm looking for a passage, but I am not finding it. Um, but you you see within um, Psalm 119. How does this, how does the verse go? Josh? The the view that um, the Bible is good, it's uh, it's true. That um, I mean, even even. Uh, about halfway through Psalm 119, he, he says that, that um, oh, here it is. Uh, verse 96, I've seen a limit to all perfection, but your commandment is exceedingly broad. So he's saying, I've seen a limit to the perfection of everything else, but your, your commands are even more, they're even more perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, oh, how I love your laws, my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way." That doesn't seem to be, I, it just from reading that article, he'd probably look at at the author of Psalm one nineteen and say, "He's an idolater. You're an idolater. You're worshiping the Bible," mm-hmm. because he sees in the Bible everything he needs for living. Mm-hmm. Um, you you think about Psalm nineteen and the way that that David talks about God's word, um, that the law of the Lord is perfect. Mm-hmm. The testimony of the Lord is sure. The the precepts of the Lord are right. The fear of the Lord is clean. Um, this this is uh, the the view of the Bible itself is mm. not the view of of this author. Mm. But let me tell you about the, the tell pre- me about this. Author. Me ta- I've been waiting. I've let been me waiting. tell you Here about the is. presuppositions of this. Okay, tell me this about this author. guy or or girl. I don't know who. No, it is. no, it's a it's a guy. Okay, this is uh, this is John Pavlovitz. Probably never heard. I've heard the heard, name. Have you heard the name? I have heard the name. Let me. Uh, <laughs> so from Wikipedia, John Pavlovitz is an American Unitarian pastor. Well, makes total sense now, because of course he believes in revelation <laughs> from any god, right? Known for his progressive social and political writings from a postmodern Unitarian Universalist perspective. Yeah. Let me let me read a couple of headlines. Okay. Like, here's the title of some of the uh, the um, articles that he's written. Uh, the economic cost of conservative Christians who trust God when healthy but demand science when sick. A mortal transgression. How Anthony Fauci sinned against Donald Trump by telling the truth. Why using the Bible against LGBTI people is irresponsible. What's I? I don't know what the I is. Irregular? <laughs> I, I just don't even know. What is it? There's like so many letters. I don't know. Well, what was it that, that uh, um, the Canadian prime minister tweeted out a couple he, of weeks ago. He like added a number, didn't did he? Did he really? I think he did. Huh. That was weird. And this one. Christian pastor, transgender people should be allowed to use the restrooms of their choice. 
profound. Yeah. So he's bringing with him some well, presuppositions. You know, as also. a, a uh, Unitarian Universalist, it was really weird that he, he used the example of the Trinity in his in his article that people are treating it like the fourth person of the Trinity. When if he's a Unitarian, then he doesn't believe in the Trinity anyway. Well, if he's really a Unitarian Universalist, right? They believe that um, there are multiple pathways. To God, and they, I don't even know how they would technically des- describe God because they could fit Buddhist stuff in there and Eastern stuff, all kinds of stuff. You can you can fit anything in there. Yeah, it's uh, just about finding what's uh, really true for you and your in your heaven and your nirvana. Um, so, in a Unitarian Universalist sense, there's nothing wrong with making uh, the Bible actually a God. Mm-hmm. So, what if someone said, "Yeah, the Bible is a God"? Can we be, join your Universalist church? Right. It, what if they were like, hey, you know what? I believe that um, in in this here right here, mm-hmm. everyone ought to have an idol in their house, and it should be the Bible because the Bible is actually God. <laughs> and I mean literally. Yeah. And I mean the words here are all literal, which means that I'm against um, everything the Bible is against. Can I still join your universalist church? Of course he'd say no. Right. Well, here's, here's his, his presuppositions, right? Like, why does he say, well, what? So he's he's writing against conservatives. Mm-hmm. Like, we're the people that quote unquote worship the Bible. We've right. deified it. Mm. So we are opposed to LGBTI <laughs> inclusion, mm-hmm. right? Um, we're against transgenderism. We're against these progressive policies. Mm. And it makes us uncomfortable when other, you know, thoughtful, prayerful Christians are coming to the text and they come with different interpretations. Mm-hmm. Well, we would just say they're probably not believers, right? <laughs> so who's who is actually trying to bend God's word to make it say whatever they want it to say? Mm-hmm. It's not us, right? It's the people that want to make the Bible inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, just being a a universalist. He's just like, being. He's, a, he's, he's just. He's just touting this progressive nonsense. Look, he's just being shady. He's. He doesn't up front. He tries to pretend like he's in mm-hmm. in the group. Like I'm one of these Christians who right. values the Bible, instead of just saying, "Look, I'm one of these people who doesn't believe the Bible is actually inerrant. Yeah. It's the inerrant Word of God. Mm-hmm. I think it's got some valuable stuff in it, you know. But I'll pick the the things that are valuable for me and the things that aren't valuable for me, of course. Yeah. Um, and of course, in his view. It's really all about yourself. We go back even to you know to the beginning, yeah. Unitarian Universalist. It's all about what works for you. Mm-hmm. This is what brings me joy. This is what gives me peace. This is what makes me happy. Yeah, but he's, there's no authority outside of oneself in that view. Yeah, he's and he's just he's just pumping out the the progressive ideas um, and agenda, and he's trying to make conservative Christians feel bad mm-hmm. by by making them think. Oh, maybe I do worship the Bible. He's trying to use the uh, the Bible's. This is this is what's even so. Sh- this is what's real sneaky. Mm. This was real. This is what's real satanic about it, right? He tries to use uh, the Bible's uh, forbidding idolatry mm-hmm. against the Christian who would be do right. anything but to be an idolater. That's mm. terrible. He's trying to use 
God's own teaching against the Christian to bind their own conscience into not valuing God's word. Yeah. Very snake-like, very mm-hmm. dragon-like. And here's, you know, Relevant <laughs> Relevant magazine that's supposed to be a Christian yeah. publication that is, you know, giving him a voice here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we serve a sovereign, personal God who is able to communicate with his creation. He's not limited. Um, and he's given us a book. And in that book, he has told us everything that we need to know for life and godliness. Mm-hmm. We have it all. In the scriptures. Yeah. And right. uh, you don't have to... And it carries the same weight as if Jesus was standing right in front of us. That's right. That's uh, the same thing that you were saying about the, the commands that are going out in the military. When you receive a written command from from the, the commander, it's as if the commander is right there. Right. Right? You you listen to it and do what it says. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing with, with God's word. Are, are we really... Exp- thinking that God cannot communicate in the same way that military officers can communicate with their troops. Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Right. This carries the same authority, not because it is God, right. but because it's the word of God. You, <laughs> right. can't con- you can't disconnect the person from what he says. Yeah. That would be, that would be utter nonsense. Mm-hmm. It'd be like getting a voicemail from my wife and listening to it. And if I, if I, and you going, know, how do I know it was you? <laughs> and, and uh, you know, acting like the voice is my wife, mm-hmm. and you know, putting this up on a pedestal. How did you get in there? Taking my, you know, taking my phone out for <laughs> dinner, and <laughs> you know, giving flowers to my phone. You can't, but you can't, con- you can't disconnect. It's her voice. Right. She said it. <laughs> so this, this idea that you can, you can disconnect the person of, of God, from His Word. Is utter nonsense, mm-hmm. and you should see it for what it is. Yeah, that's right. Good. All right, so time to shut it down. Thanks for joining today, Conform to Christ podcast. Hopefully, this has been beneficial to you and helpful to you. This is that. This is the end of Reformation Month. It's coming up, so go to church somewhere. Celebrate Reformation Day with your church family. Should be a good day, and um, hopefully. This is a benefit to you. Please like, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Maybe like us a review. It's our it's our hope, as always, that this helps you to be more and more conformed to Christ. See you next time.